Hey Josh, I know this this is a little weird, but uh, you know what's scarier than Bloodborne and the uh, deep dive into Bloodborne lore that you just uh, sort of like dropped on my my mine head, mm-hmm. my puny eyeballless brain. <laughs> Do you know what's scarier than that? What's scarier than that? Is that Pulp Fiction and Space Jam existed within the same time frame, and both of those were, are beloved pieces of uh, <laughs> cinema. And I, I'm using that term broadly because we were just sort of talking, <laughs> you know, pre-show about like how atrocious Space Jam is. That that movie is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that is nightmare fuel, but of a different sort. It's mm-hmm. not nearly as otherworldly. It's just, just <laughs> horrific. So. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't even take like a dream or a nightmare in order for both of those things to coexist at the same time. They, 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 it's the same dimension in which they were released and both made very popular. Uh, that's, that is an interesting uh, concept there. It's horrifying. My whole life. But you know, what, you know what isn't horrifying? What's not horrifying? Our podcast, The Backlog that's Breakdown. True. Yeah. I'm Nate and you're Josh. It's and true. this is our podcast. Hey. But I'm, I'm sure that the people who are listening this far, who have made it this far, uh, like all two, three minutes into it are like, you know, they're smart enough to figure that out, I hope. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. You, yeah, you know I, what else I have is, faith is in horrifying, them. though? I, I do. I agree. The rest of this episode, because we're talking about horror games. Oh. So. <laughs> well. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, the topic of the show is uh, it's a it's another how should we then play mm-hmm. uh, and this a uh, little bit of a genre study. Uh, we we opened up the, these sort of one offs or these spin offs or I don't know whatever we want to call it, but the uh, the how should we then play series with uh, a personal favorite of ours, uh, mm. JRPGs, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. because it's October, it's, it's spoopy. The it's the month of the year. It's the spoopiest time of the year. Uh, <laughs> you know, people are going to be spooping themselves left and right. <laughs> yep. Uh, that happens. I don't know why I, d- I go for that one every time. <laughs> you, I think you, it's just... You spoop your brain in order to make eyes and, and you see all <laughs> the things that you couldn't see before. I just go for like it's it's like low hanging fruit, and I'm just like, mm-hmm. no, I'm gonna go for that gag every time. It's, it's true. It's I'm I'm awful, and uh, I I I'd apologize. Except I don't really mm-hmm. feel bad. It it entertains me, and it makes me laugh. Well, so, well, just just so that you know th- where I stand, I I think you're horrible, horrible. Oh oh oh! oh. oh that was bad. That was bad. Swing uh, and a miss. All right. So pun, you on. know why? You know why that was a miss? Because puns are the worst. The worst. The, yes. Yes. Thank you, John Ralph. I mean, it's a, yeah. I'm a dad, so I have to. I have to give the dad jokes. It's just what happens. What happens? You pop out a kid, and boom. All your jokes are terrible. It's just like just bad jokes. Like uh, if kids, you actually are terrible. funny in real life prior to fatherhood, I just flip the switch. Done. <laughs> Donezo. You read enough cue cards now, okay? Suckers. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> so Anyways. so how, so how you been, man? 
Um, I'm, you know, it's been good. It's been good. It's another two weeks have happened since the last time we recorded a podcast. Um, it's been two weeks. Yeah, that's, that is true. It's a thing that happened 14 entire days. Um, a whole fortnight's gone by. It's strange the way that time goes by. Um, no, I mean, uh, lots of, not too much video game playing. We'll get to that in the, uh, uh, report, but I don't know, a bunch of school. My, my class is almost done, the current one that I'm taking, and then my new one starts. Um, but, you know, towards the end of that, so fun tests and all that good stuff. And um, so, yeah, just been busy with lots of other things, with life. Um, yeah, I can't think of anything mm. huge that's happened. I've been studying mm. Bloodborne lore. <laughs> You, Not you really, did. You well, of, I mean, dude, like you were able to sort of like put together a like coherent enough, like a cogent sort of half hour, forty five minutes mm-hmm. that actually sort of distilled like the the sort of the pivotal moments in that world. Even though it was just you know, and again, we we sort of were talking about this before the episode proper, and it's just like it's just such a weird an esoteric sort of like world and bit of lore. And then for them to sort of like hide it under all of like the weird, just like that, that game could have used like a few more narrative, like expositional dumps to, mm-hmm. to maybe frame out the world a little bit, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, either which way, I mean, you know, the game's still like tons of fun. I, yeah, it is. I I wasn't nearly as concerned with the story as I was just like mechanically. It is just uh, a bit of an incredible experience, but Mm -hmm. I just, even after we were talking about it, like, and you and I, you know, prior to this, the recording this, uh, we were both sort of like, Hey, you know what? I kind of want to go back and play it. I want want to play it. Yeah, I totally do. Yeah. After, after looking into all that stuff and it's funny, I didn't mention this. um, So I'll mention it here on this episode. But part of the reason that I even did that was because I mentioned that I was kind of looking into the lore after after doing the episode last time, two weeks ago. And uh, yeah, I kind of mentioned in passing, maybe I'll do a bite size on the lore. Ha ha, wouldn't that be funny? Um, and one of our patrons, Paul, uh, was the, mentioned in the Discord. He was like, you should totally do a lore episode. So I was like, well... I was planning on talking about Transistor, but I am actually way more interested in, in Bloodborne lore. Not that Transistor is not a bad game. Don't get me wrong. No. I'm just not sure that I have too much to say on it that hasn't been said already. Um, so when he said that, I was like, okay, yeah, I'll do that for a bite size. So I, I need to look into that a little more. And every single freaking time I went to look into it, it left me with so many more questions like I got, I got some answers, some vague answers, but then they led into these other topics, and then and hence the forty-five minute presentation. You know, I feel like it should have come with a PowerPoint on on who these characters were and and all that. Welcome to your stuff. TED so, talk. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> this is that that was it's Josh's TED talk. I think mm-hmm. uh, when you you do sort of like the editing for that, you should change the opening to that. Be like and. Uh, you know, or the closing. Thank you for listening to my TED talk. My TED talk. That's just, a great you idea. Just tack that right in there. Mm-hmm. It'll be. I love be it. Fun. Be fun. How how your uh, how's your Fortnite been? Ah, uh, pretty good. Uh, so it's been basically two full weeks on the well, and change on the uh, 
the sort of going back to just carrying one route and I as like just as, like as far as like mental health goes that was such a necessary move in so many ways mm. like I I think like I have just that's not to say that I don't get frustrated with like general stupidity and things like that but there was and and we've we've talked about this a little bit but there was just so, so much like uncertainty with my schedule Mm-hmm. on the float because like i would sometimes i would go into work and i was just like i was supposed to be carrying this route and i ended up like not doing that at all and it was like that just i think there were mo- it just that it had been that way for like months yeah like maybe yeah. even the better part of a year or two and i just was like you know that wears on you after a while and i just was so like sort of exhausted and and for lack of a better word, like brittle, like I was just like constantly sort of like on edge, like just ready to like pop, like very tense, terse. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so it's like, it's, it's been much better, but yeah, I mean, things are pretty good. Um, we, we spent some time with my sister, well, with most, a uh, good chunk of my family the other day. And that was nice. It was cool. Like getting to be uncle Nate, like farting on small children and <laughs> you, you know, uh, you, you know, the, like all the, the cool parts about being an uncle. Hmm. But yeah, you know, things are pretty good. We're uh, sort of, we're maintaining, the, you, know, you know, there's some mm-hmm. stuff. This is actually tends to be sort of a, a tight kind of time of the year. Uh, okay. Because Megan only gets paid with the job that she has as a sort of tutor. It's not even a, like... Basically, in, in a lot of ways, is sort of acting as a uh, a special ed teacher for some kids in the cyber school stuff, okay. and but the way that that job works is she only gets paid once a month, and so oh, but it's it's like it's like instead of like you know how like your paycheck is always like two weeks behind, mm-hmm. like so it's like her paycheck's like always a month behind, ah. and it's kind of like. It's one of those things where, so this is like, this is the, the, the month that, because her one client has uh, extended school year hours, but this is like gotcha. the, the time of the year where like, this is the month where we don't have a, a check from her as far as that goes. So we're, we're sort of like, it's a little tight. It's not like bad or anything like, but it is like, have to be a little more mindful. So, but mm-hmm. you know, I had earlier when we were sort of talking about games i had mm-hmm. like this really like clever segue to like you know usher us into the backlog report mm-hmm. but um that moment passed a, a little bit ago so ah. instead of uh you know having a clever segue how about uh unless you have you know anything else uh let's just jump into the 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 ye old backlog report ye old backlog report two weeks old let me let me check this out (laughs) i have no idea like (laughs) all right (laughs) it is what it is welcome Mm -hmm. back to the backlog report this week on the backlog report we have games we have books we have uh lecturers I don't know. Uh, let's see what I have. Um, so, well, what I said is, is I, I haven't really played very many video games uh, this, this past two weeks, um, which is kind of weird. It's just, you know, trying to get other things done. 
Um, and well, for, for other reasons, I, I, I haven't had much time on the handheld either. So I played a little bit more of the Donkey Kong Country Returns 3D on my 3DS. I played through another world or two. So I'm towards the end of that. I think I'm in the second to last world already. It's taken me way too long in terms of just like, hey, this is the game that I've been playing. Um, I just haven't played it in a while. Uh, but it's yeah. fun. I dig it. Um, but I usually play that one on the elliptical and it's changed. I haven't been on the elliptical as much because another game that I've been playing is a little game called Ring Fit Adventure. Um, oh, I, I, see, fancy. I originally, you fancy. I originally picked it up back when there were like the shortages, you know, and like COVID had caused it to sell out. And so I was like, Hey, I could get some money for this. And I bought it. And that's like at the start of the restocks. So I've held on to it for a month or two. And the price has not gone up because, like, it's in stock everywhere. So, of course, like, supply and demand. It's very simple. Because, um, I, you know, it's like I don't want to spend 80 bucks on this thing, but I did. So what am I going to yeah. do? <laughs> so I busted it out. I started playing it. And it reminds me um, the the trap that I fall into of doing the same thing over and over again when I exercise um, because this one has you doing different things and I feel super out of shape playing this game because <laughs> I'm yeah. like, I've been, you know, it has like a workout. time. So I'm like, I've been playing for, you know, 35, 40 minutes, but the workout timer is only like 16 minutes. I only have like 16 active minutes in the game and I'm just like, oh, oh I'm old. Jeez. It hurts. Everything yeah. hurts. Exactly. Like I didn't, I haven't used that in a while. Oh, crap game. Why are you I calling me out on that? So. I would like to pick pick that up at some point in time because I feel like that would be a fun little like sort of ex like it would be like fun to sort of like fire that up in the morning for like a mm -hmm. half hour and like just sort of get the blood flowing. Yep. I mean, the the other thing is I could just get up and do like twenty minutes of cardio and right. you know body weight sort of exercises, but I don't. So it's mm -hmm. it's kind of like yeah. I, I'm, I'm probably like if I get to the point where I'm just like getting up and actually doing that stuff, well, then maybe I can entertain the uh, the ring fit adventure idea. That that was part of it is like this will help get me because I've I've gotten into a bad habit of either uh, hitting snooze or if not hitting snooze, just coming downstairs and then falling asleep on the couch. Um, so I was like, at least this way it gamifies that because I like mm -hmm. to I like to work out first thing when I wake up. So yeah, um, yeah, I feel and, you. It's been fun. Um, I will the the problem the problem that I have had is that you do a lot of like running in place, and so I hurt my ankle doing that a few days ago. So I haven't been able to play it because I don't want to push it and like hurt it worse. Yeah. Um. So it's and it's probably my fault. I should have like at least put on shoes instead of just running in place on my feet. But anyways, um, I I do enjoy. Yeah, it makes me feel super out of shape, and I'm like I'm not that like I've still been exercising. It's just. It's just I've been, you know, working on my arms and being on the elliptical, and that's pretty much it. And this is like, no, do other things. And so I'm like, ouch, that hurts. <laughs> so uh, lesson learned. I'm lazy. Uh, and then finally, the other game that I've started playing. Well, you know, September's over, and so it's Bioshocktober. So I've been playing Bioshock, a little bit of Bioshock whenever I've had the time. It's another game that I can't really play during the day because it's got some some spoopy images that I don't want my my children seeing when I shoot people in the face. You know, probably not a good idea. Uh, but I'm really digging it. Um, I just got to um, 
What is the name of the place? Now I feel stupid. I should totally know. It's not Alphadia or whatever, but the place with all the the greenery, all the shrubbery. Um, I just got through that place and it sent me somewhere else. And so I don't remember. Arcadia was the name of the place with all the, the, mm. the greenery. But then they shoot like the, well, sorry, minor spoilers. It's not really a big deal, but if you haven't gotten there, sorry. The greener, green place eventually turns brown because they start killing or they start shooting spray to kill the, the greenery. And I just beat that. And yeah, I can't remember the name of the next place. So I think I'm like a third of the way into the game, maybe a quarter of the way into the game. So I need, okay. to, I need to play more of it because yeah. the, I don't have much time to beat it. It's Bioshocktober. Join us. Let us know where you are. Let's play it together. From the, the time we are recording, we have, you and I have two weeks to beat it. Two Which weeks. Which isn't terrible. 14 days. Mm-hmm. Um, It's... Uh, I think how long to beat has it listed for like a 12 to 20 hours depending on let's just the part of the show where I look things up on my phone. We need to have like a little jingle for that. The part of the show where I look on my phone, you know, something just. Yeah. Well, uh, it's funny. You should mention that part of the, there's a, the super best friend video game sleepover. Mm-hmm. They have a little jingle. The part of the show where they Google things. <laughs> well, they, oh, that's they, funny. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, the, the one guy always sings it when they Google stuff. It's, that's like it's, really similar too. I've I've yeah. never listened to that podcast before. So and that's funny and that's sort of like. Oh uh, well, you should. It's a good one. Um, yeah. So twelve hours for just main story completionist. Twenty two hours. Uh, main plus extras, 15 and a half hours. So that's crazy because I feel like I've already put in at least like six or seven hours. So well, I don't know. You might have. I guess uh, I'm just slow. That's probably a big part of it. Well, I think too, like the thing is, it is that it is a quicker, like it is a quicker game. Like mm-hmm. 20 hours, I think, is 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 reasonable. So yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, that's all that I've been playing over the past uh, two weeks. Um, I have been listening to a few more books. I finished up that uh, the memoir with the autobiography by Thomas Sowell and then just jumped right into one of his other books. Um, it's called A Conflict of Visions. And that one was really interesting. It basically talked about how... Uh, okay, so from a Christian perspective, this is the way that I'm taking it. He's not um, espousing Christianity in the book. Um, but how... Like basically we all have presuppositions and depending specifically the way that he talks about it, the way that we view the nature of man, this is how I understood it, um, also has a major part into the way we view government and how we ought to treat man and how we ought to not rule over, but, you know, govern man. Mm-hmm. Um, so so basically if, if you see uh, the, like man being left alone as – um, degenerating, then you would have another vision of what government ought to do, like the function of government and and what it does. But if you see man as um, a being that left to own, uh, left to his own devices, he will uh, do best, you know, for society. Then then that highly affects the way uh, you ought to govern. So that was an interesting listen. Um, after going through that book, I have been listening, I've been on a big Jordan Peterson kick. 
Um, mm-hmm. So I've listened to a lot of his um, podcast episodes. I talked to you, said that I, I cleaned out my garage this past weekend and mowed the lawns, did a bunch of like yard work and stuff. And I was basically listening to Jordan Peterson all day um, on two times speed, um, which is not necessarily recommended because he, he already kind of talks somewhat fast or he, he jumps from concepts very fast. He's a little rambly at times. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's really, I, I just really dig it. Um, I'm, I'm stoked that Paul Maxwell is going to start putting out content again. And so mm-hmm. that just, that it was, it was from one thing, like uh, an article, which I highly recommend. I know we don't usually do recommendations, but he, he wrote an article on, uh, on the church and masculinity and uh, it was really good. And so that just plunged me down the rabbit hole. Not that necessarily Jordan Peterson talks about that, but um, I don't know. Well, they're they're connected in my mind. They're sort of somewhat. They sort of exist within the same spheres in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. Paul Maxwell, when he was first started the self wire stuff, mm-hmm. it was very much like he sort of wanted to be sort of the reform slash evangelical voice. Um speaking into the sort of uh, the intellectual dark web stuff. Right. And right. I actually saw a tweet from him today where mm. he his doctoral thesis or whatever was published right. the, on, mm-hmm. on trauma and re- reform tradition. And so there's that. Uh, but I think he's, he's going to be taking a little bit of time off. Right. Um, doing some self- self-care for lack of a better term and so he's Mm -hmm. but then he there was there was also a tweet a a while ago where he it sounds like he's going to be launching his own website and stuff and um at some point in time i'll look at that and it'll probably be one of those things where i I do like a monthly sub for a few months at a clip because the deal was like the the like the lifetime membership locked you in at at a rate Mm -hmm. Like that's cool, and I I wouldn't mind having access to his materials like that. But at the same time, it's like I've got a bunch of other stuff on my plate that I need to sort of chew through first. Yeah, and I am interested in his content, but uh, not so interested. I, I mean, it's not to say that it wouldn't be worth it, but I feel like the the hundred and fifty bucks or whatever it was a year, I was just like, eh, yeah, I don't have that. I don't I don't yeah, have that right now. Yeah, it was a substantial sort of like, like I said, Megan and I are sort of in that, we're in a tight space sort right. of this month anyway. So it was like, kind of like, well, I was like, uh, you know what? Like it can be something where it's like, uh, maybe I'll sign up for a month and see, or like do like a court, like I'll, I'll, I'll sign up for a little bit, see how out it goes and gauge it from there. Yeah. So. Yeah. Dude, that's super cool. That's awesome. But. Yeah, that's that's what I've been into lately. What do you have to report on? Well, you and I were talking before we re- started recording the episode proper. Uh, as far as games go, it's been a whole lot of Hades. And by a whole lot, I mean roughly 55 <laughs> hours. Um, whole the, lot of Hades. My Switch told the truth on me, and I did not appreciate it. I was like, ah, like we were talking about it. I was like, I don't know how many I've, I've socked a few hours. And I looked down, I was like, yeah. uh, kind of had a mild stroke. Um, but that's, but the other thing is like, that's all I've been playing. I was taking it to work and I was actually playing it on my lunch break. Like I play it in the tub. 
Like nice. I'm 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 obsessed with that game. Uh Dude. I I actually just cleared it for the first time earlier today. Like did like the whole cuz basically there's three biomes, four biomes really. Um like but the the fourth one is just sort of like is it's a much it's a very abbreviated experience like in a lot of ways. Um so you sort of battle your way through Tartarus, the fields of Asphodel, and then uh, the the Elysian fields, and then you sort of you're up in the temple. You have to clear that out, and but that that goes pretty quick, and then it culminates. Uh, yeah. The, anyways, but yeah, it's good. It's really good. Uh, it's the it's a very interesting story. Uh, interesting take on you know sort of Greek mythology and. Um, I, I I just I love what Supergiant does. Like there, uh, and this is probably like this is peak Supergiant in my opinion. So um, nice. Would you say it's 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 the best game that they've ever put out? It's hard. It's hard to say that because mm-hmm. I mean Bastion, Transistor, Empire. Like out out of those three. I would probably it's like Pyre is is at the bottom of the pile for me mm-hmm. just because yeah. like I think just as far as like actual gameplay goes I just it was fine like the game and the story was really fun and what they were doing was fun like but at the same time I was like eh, it just kind of like it 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 fell a little sh- like flat for me um yeah. and it's it's hard like I think right now I like it more than I like Bastion or Transistor but mm-hmm. Both of those games are so good. Like it's just like, like Supergiant is just like they're they're very much a top shelf developer, and I think you just need to yep. like. It's just like yeah, they're very good. Uh, I just I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm I'm playing the mess out of it, but I also played the mess out of Bastion, and I played the mess out of Transistor. Um, nice. So there's that. As far as like reading or anything, uh, I. I finished uh, that Area X trilogy or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. It's weird. It's real weird. It's like really interesting science fiction. And it's very sort of surreal. It's it's very interesting. If you like science fiction and you like, like sort of real mind-bendy science fiction, the Area X trilogy is probably like... It's up there. It's good, but it's it's gonna like mess with your head a good bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was that. Uh, I listened to a little bit more of Range, um, that Epstein book. Okay. Um, started. I fired up some of uh Saint Bernard uh of Clairvaux's on loving well again. Just start listening to some of some of that essay again. I was. For a while, too, I was listening to the Reform Forum did a series on the Pilgrim's Progress, and I was sort of chewing through some of those. And uh, But yeah, as far as like actual reading or substantial content, that's pretty much been it. I haven't. I've just there's been a lot of stuff where there. Well, you know what? There was a really interesting podcast. And, and again, sort of. We don't, I don't typically give, we don't typically give recommendations, period. We just sort of like Mm -hmm. say, hey, this is what we're into. We sort of like, if you're, 
interested, go check it out. But uh, something that the Daily Stoic, and I forget what his name is, uh, the guy who does that, Ryan. Uh, Holiday. Ryan Holiday. He had the developer of the bullet journal system mm-hmm. come in. And it was on uh, the weekend edition of the Daily Stoic. Okay. And he did like, you know, it's like a half hour, 45 minutes or whatever. They might have even talked for longer than that. But that was a really interesting talk, you okay. know, sort of like a, a, a very interesting exchange of ideas. Because with, so, so the Daily Stoic tends to be like these three or four minute, like little like stoic meditations that they sort of dump and the weekend edition is are like much more substantial gotcha like chunks and he usually has like a guest on and they sort of like he sort of does a little bit of an interview and sort of interacts with them anyways uh he had uh the guy's name is Ryder or something i can't remember but the guy who developed the bullet journaling technique and it sort of got me back into like wanting to start journaling again because um this is it's it's a good practice it's a healthy practice and it's actually sort of got me to the point where i'm probably going to be deleting a lot of like the productivity apps off my phone because i haven't been using them anyways Mm -hmm. but i think too in a lot of ways like it's like what i found is that i tend to be much more for me i'm much more effective when that sort of that tracking happens in an analog way. So if I'm writing things down and I'm just sort of like working through the process versus if I'm just like ticking off boxes on my phone, I think that sort of does something to me mentally that isn't very helpful. Um, That, and then you're constant, you're constantly on your phone and junk and it's just kind of like, okay, (laughs) like, yeah, it's you. And it's like, you know, Megan and I were having a conversation because I actually, a while ago, I put Facebook and Twitter back on my phone, and it's like I've noticed that even since then, like my phone, like phone usage has sort of ticked up. But mm-hmm. yeah, um, I'm just gonna. I know this is like really super good radio. I actually ended up saving the episode because I was so sort of like impressed with it. Nice. It is two ninety three, uh, the Daily Stoic episode two ninety three. It's Ryder Carroll. Uh, the power of journaling. I really recommend the listen uh, just because there is like, I think there's a lot of like really good, uh, good information in there. Like a lot of good thoughts on just sort of like what journaling is and what it isn't. And even just sort of like, you know, the bullet journaling system has become has sort of like taken the world by like in a lot of ways by storm. Um, there are like, there are a ton of people who are into this thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's it is a system, and it's a system that I might try, might just I might try to stick, like pick it up and stick with it for like a month or two, and you know. But a lot of what he says is like he's like, listen, do it the way that you like. There is no like one way to do this thing. He's like, this is a system that I developed based on tools that had been given to me, and this is what I find to be helpful. It's like, but. He's like, you know, it's not, this doesn't have to be formulaic. Like it was very refreshing hearing somebody who, who created a system so like that even say like, Hey, like, you know, like do what works for you. And I was like, that's very cool. Um, <laughs> it's, it's very refreshing because it yeah. wasn't this like, you know, my 12 easy steps will help you fix all your problems. Right. It's like, 
it was this dude that was saying like, Buy this my is course. This, yeah, yeah. He was like, this system works for me. Uh, if it doesn't work for you, cool. And I was like, that's super cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, one of the things too, is just sort of looking at that. I think I do want to get back into a rotation of, uh, like I had sort of fallen off the wagon, but I want to get back into my Old Testament and New Testament reading again. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like taking a passage uh, from time to time and just, or not time to time, but like daily taking a passage, writing it down, meditating on that and praying through that. And sort of like even just sort of, you know, asking questions like, was this show me about God? Was this tell me about myself? What do I need, like, in, in the light of this passage, what do I need to change? What do I need to pray through? Like, what, what, what are, what is, you know, somewhere where my heart needs to change? Like, what, what is, and I guess, like, sort of like, it's, it's like three questions, basically, you know, again, like, what does this reveal to me about God? What does this tell me about myself? And then, like, what here needs to be prayed through, prayed through, or acted on? So, mm-hmm. But um, nice. anyways, so that's, I'm, I'm trying to sort of like get back in that, but you know, uh, didn't do so great. Like I said, 55 hours on Hades will uh, <laughs> derail the best laid plans. <laughs> there you go. 55 hours in Hades. 55 that's hours right. in Hades. Woof. Oh, that's uh, <laughs> yeah. That's the uh, name of a book by Nate McGeever. Yeah, and it's, I've I've only cleared it like three times now. <laughs> like it was it's it's okay, so going back to Hades real quick, like mm-hmm. one of the things that's really cool about that game is like I said, it's like these shorter runs, like a half hour, maybe 45 minutes or whatever. But in addition to that, like it does this really good thing, especially like when you turn the god mode on that I was telling you about pre-recording. Mm-hmm. Um but it does this thing like you almost always feel like you're making progress, like you're getting a little bit better at the game, like you're finding like these clever combinations of different, you know, boons to, to like and it, it's it's a very like super giant does a really great job of like there are certain elements of game design that they just they have that thing like it is it is a tight little like machine of fun. Nice. So nice. Dude, it sounds good. It sounds good. It's I'm I'm tempted to, to throw another game on the pile, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, I mean, like, I definitely like keep an eye out for it and see, like, mm-hmm. you know, if it goes on sale or whatever. Then, yeah, I I don't know. This past weekend, like I said, I was cleaning out my garage, and so I looked at um, I updated my Excel sheet of all the games that I own, and let me tell you. Uh, to to be smacked in the face with that list again um, was pretty horrifying. But more on that after our commercial break. <laughs> Excuse me, may I have a moment of your time to talk about the wonder and beauty of tokusatsu? See, tokusatsu is a Japanese word for special effects and usually refers to the super fun TV shows you watched as a kid with those heroes wearing spandex and those giant rubber monsters with cool explosions and awesome transformations. That's so cool. I happen to be a big fan of it and run a podcast about the entire genre. 
So if you could just, like, I don't know, subscribe and, and take a listen to my episodes, I'd greatly appreciate it. It's called Pension Dad Podcast, and it's it's kind of awesome, <laughs> or at least my, my mom thinks so, but she still hasn't reviewed it on iTunes yet, no. But anyway, thanks for your time. Just just check it out, the Henshin Dad Podcast. It's on Anchor, and I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, okay, okay, bye. So let's let's talk about. There, there's a question that we like to ask ourselves every once in a while, Josh. Mm-hmm. And that that question is, how should we then play? Which is a bit of an homage to uh, Francis Schaeffer's book, uh, "How Should We Then Live." But because we're awful Christians and we just, I don't know, the word isn't steal, but we just sort of like take things and we just like, we, we, we baptize them, but we don't need to baptize us anyways. <laughs> I mean, unless you believe in multiple that, you know, if the first one didn't take, then, you know, well, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm a pedo Baptist and uh, we sprinkle our babies and we don't yeah. worry about it anymore. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> there you go. There you go. But uh, so how should we then play instead of, because, li- you know, playing's better than living anyway. So you know, we're basically better than Shaper. Is, so okay. is, no is it? I mean, <laughs> just, oh. and we're really bad at like staying, like not dipping into tangents. But, yes, you know, I put that, I, I did sort of throw that question in the Discord, and Paul was the only person who responded. And he was basically like, I don't read blogs anyways. Cause I was like, Hey, you know, what would you guys think if I started like, you know, writing down some of my thoughts and putting them on end. And Paul was like, and, and this is not meant as a guilt trip by any, to any, anybody listening to any of the brochachas or anything, but it was just like, I was just trying to sort of like gauge interest in seeing like who would be interested in reading some of my thoughts on Sabbath and vocation and recreation and, and the theology sort of all behind that. And uh, Paul, Paul very adroitly pointed out, he's like, dude, you, you just kind of actually have a podcast where you do that. So <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, yeah, but it's like a more formal sort of like com- compilation, you know, of, of, of those thoughts and materials. Anyways, I, I I did reply. I sent a meme. So oh, that's right. My meme reply. There, you there did. was something there. I like you, memes. you did. Although well, memes sometimes sometimes they're they're good in context. Other times they're horrible. Oh, wah, wah, wah. sorry. Like I said earlier, I'm a dad, so I make dad jokes. Um, today we are talking about all of the horrible things. Because we're talking about horror games and how should we then play a horror game? So uh, starting out this conversation about horror and gaming and all that, um, I, I thought it would be fitting to kind of take a deep dive into what what makes a horror game a horror game? Like what are some of the uh, hallmarks of horror? What are some of the things that, that it's makes spoopy. This- uh, that's true. Spoopiness, definitely. Does the game make you spoop your pants? Well, I guess it's a horror game. It's a, um, there are two interesting distinctions that we need to sort of talk about. Um, mm-hmm. Is that within sort of horror games, there's actually sort of a subgenre, which is actually the actually a far more prevalent and successful model or game type, which mm-hmm. is the survival horror genre. Mm-hmm. 
the sort of without trying to sort of be too highbrow or too sort of like looking down my nose but basically the the short version is a horror game is anything that puts you in a any game and it can sort of fall within any genre because i would even sort of say like the parasite eve games which Mm -hmm. are actually sort of an rpg uh, like maybe even an action rpg And, and even bloodborne which is a you know, a hardcore action RPG. Like mm-hmm. they fall within the sort of horror camp. Yeah. Um, you know, because it, like it is like these, these basically the same themes that horror stories and horror movies have like sort of tried to encompass. So whether it's yeah. supernatural or so- psychological horror or whatever, you know, and I think a lot of time, like the the most successful examples of this, do tend to sort of be a little more supernatural in orientation mm-hmm. um, versus like maybe the psychological horror. But yeah. that's just yeah, that's that's a good point because that means that when we talk about horror games, um, they're different in terms of like a genre of video games than what we talked about earlier, JRPG, or in our first, um, how should we then play? We talked about JRPGs. That has to do more with kind of the genre. It has to do with the way that you play the game, right? Um, that determines whether or not it's a JRPG. With horror games, that's not necessarily the case. Um, there are all different kinds of horror games. So I think traditional horror games are more like, you know, puzzle games, if that makes sense, or, with, or with, games with, with puzzle, healthy, adventures. Well, with like, healthy, like, okay, so you and I were talking about it prior to recording this mm-hmm. episode but amnesia is sort mm-hmm. of it's it's a great example of like a horror game a sort of just and it's you know a first port first person exploration sort of puzzle game mm-hmm. with this sort of element of the like basically that this thing is this monster or these monsters are just chasing you in this spooky place and so it's mm-hmm. it's very much about setting it's very much about sort of like getting away Mm-hmm. Um, from yeah. the big bad, and and mechanically, that's actually kind of a really boring loop. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 uh it's interesting that 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 some horror games actually even work because as I thought about this, um, one of the things that sticks out in my mind when you when you talk about horror games, um, just in general, I think uh the way that a game can scare you the way that it can bring in these horror elements um, into more of uh, into the gameplay, I guess, is to take a, is to make you feel vulnerable. Right. And, and yes. to, right. In order to make you fear what's coming, you have to feel uh, like you're not in control or like, it's because most games are a power fantasy in, in one form or fashion. Like you have certain abilities and you need to use those abilities in order to progress throughout the game. Whereas one of the, one of the hallmarks of horror is that you, you it's pretty much the opposite, <laughs> right? You have to feel like you have your power taken away from you. Um, like you're backed into a corner. Um, yeah. You have to feel that uh, oppression. And so it's funny um, because even thinking about horror, the way that it works in terms of a video game, it actually goes against most, uh, mo- the, the way that most games are designed. It's actually kind of the opposite. It goes in the opposite direction. And so there is a lot of 
um, possibility. You, you have a high probability, honestly, in my mind, of failure making a horror game. Um, and that's when you end up with, forgive me, the game that we played last year. Was it last year? Yeah. Silent Hill 2. Silent Hill 2. Where the mechanics of the game I did not enjoy. Even though I, I do actually hold that game in high regard, I did enjoy the story the game was telling and the way that it told it. But the mechanics of the game, no. Like it needs it needs some drastic updates in order to be playable. Well, I do have to wonder, and, and maybe we wondered about this last last year when we sort of played through it, but mm-hmm. how much of that is just sort of like, it's sort of its age showing a mm-hmm. lot of the the controls and the mechanics and it mm-hmm. would be really interesting to see somebody get their hands on that property and sort of reboot that game in a way like what yeah. well and and the, and the thing though too is like so much of that like when we were talking talking about Silent Hill 2 is like like the environment really did feel like the environment and the, the sort of the oppression and mm-hmm. just like the vibe of just sort of like that sort of low key threat all the time that that yes. environment sort of was able to manifest. Um, that was like really in a lot of ways the star of the game. Like yeah. the actual game, like the the mechanical segments of it were sort of like meh, like they were fine, but they weren't. Oh man, I, I would straight up say some of the puzzles were bad. Oh yeah. Well, like, I, I, I had to follow a guide for some of it, but but you're right. It wasn't not even looking at the puzzles though. I was, like just like the general mechanics of the game yeah. were pretty like low yeah, tier. And I, I wonder yeah. how much of that was like again, sort of like it's just showing its age, and how yeah. much of it was just overall d- design in a lot of ways. But yeah. That's true. That's, that's a, true. that's, that's a, I mean, it, it's, it's one of those games you and I both sort of ended up saying like, it's a really interesting story, but I absolutely hated playing it. Sort of yes. like, <laughs> it's like, right. And it, it, it's funny just because how, uh, I think those two things, uh, fight against each other is like the design of making you feel powerless while at the same time not going too far to where it it's like frustrating or just frankly boring. Uh, there's, there's certainly that too. Um, so some of the other things that, that I was thinking about as I'm thinking about horror, um, just as a genre, and, and I think this has to do with uh, movies as well as video games, but some of the things that, that you know, video games have learned from movies is um, this idea of, uh, kind of what I would say is like the uncanny valley where there are things that happen that just aren't supposed to happen. You know, there's certain visual elements, there's certain sounds that you hear that are out of place. Um, there's a character that shows up that something about their, you know, body is wrong. Something about the way that they look is wrong. Um, I think often I can find a lot of... um like the spooky atmosphere is because what I was expecting is in some way twisted and and wrong. And, you know, I, 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 I hate that I'm going to bring this game up a lot, uh, you know, a dozen times over the course of this episode, but I just talked about it for 45 minutes on the last bite size. Um, but I think you see this a lot in Bloodborne where you take these, these things. Okay. So for instance, the crows in Bloodborne. Okay. They're really annoying because they're on the ground and they like walk around and then they jump up into the air and 
like bark at you. They and, and they have these deep kind of growls that like that should not be coming from a crow. This doesn't make sense at all. And so it seems even it's even more jarring because that sound should not be coming from a crow. This this doesn't make sense. Um, and so that kind of uneasiness, I think, and and I think to that uh, to that same point, I think sound is very influential. Um, it, it just in horror games in general, uh, they often have you kind of keyed into uh, noises and sounds and things things that really shouldn't be to kind of catch you off guard in order to um, in order to provide kind of this this horror atmosphere. Um, this oppressive atmosphere. Um, and th- I think that ties into, finally, um, insanity as well. So something seems off. Uh, often the uh, horror games will show you things or do things to make it seem like there is some element of insanity to a different to, to different degrees. So there's there's games that take that all the way and go, uh, you know, like eternal darkness. Um, mm-hmm. Well, that's called Sanity's Requiem, right? So, so you have these elements of, and I haven't ever played the game, but I've watched videos on it, um, th- where you have these elements of you don't know what's real and what's not real. Um, so, d- just the fact of someone, some character, or even the character you're playing as going insane can often be used uh, to great effect in horror as well. Well. I, I'm glad that you actually brought up Eternal Darkness because I think there are a couple like trademarks. It's like, or like maybe just sort of like common themes. Like setting mm-hmm. is always super, super critical. Yeah. And it's like, if the, like uh, we played Resident Evil 2 sort mm-hmm. of towards the beginning yep. of the year here. Um, it was a super creepy game. A lot of it had to do with just the setting, and mm-hmm. then the 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 way that the zombies are leveraged, you know, it within that setting actually sort of, you know, sort of turns up the tension and Mister X and everything else. Um, yeah, Eternal Darkness, you know, is is sort of one of the things that it does that it really sort of stands out to me is that it, instead of just sort of the game like the setting is there it's sort of creepy it's it's a weird sort of spooky vibe but then in addition to just sort of like the setting of like being in just sort of like an uncomfortable sort of space they turn around and they actually totally mess with the player's expectations right there's a lot of like you know, breaking the fourth wall and like lit- messing with the player's literal head. Like one of my favorite, there was that sanity meter in, in mm-hmm. that game. And when it started to get too high, you would get the, like these weird effects. And sometimes like, sometimes it would just be like, you'd walk into the same room twice, you know, mm-hmm. and it would just like sort of, me- but one of the ones that just really sort of like was just unnerving was it, uh, the the game simulated like basically like and i don't know but a blue screen of death which there mm-hmm. isn't like a current analog to that but like old pcs when they would hit like basically a terminal error within within a game or a program would kick out to this blue screen of death which was just this error screen and it was just like basically the only thing and it was just such like a 
a brain bending sort of experience. Like yeah. you know, you're playing this game and then all of a sudden the game does that and you're just like, what the crap just happened? Mm-hmm. And like, I think that's eternal darkness in a lot of ways is a bit of a standout because I think like okay. those moments were absolute master strokes because it wasn't just like, okay, like, the the character in the game is sort of experiencing these things and those are unsettling to me because that's my proxy. It's like the game sort of sidesteps that and says like and actually starts directly taking shots at the player. Yeah. Like yeah, it's and breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, and that fo- breaking that fourth wall in that way is just you know, like I've only ever seen it done there and I'm not saying that other games haven't done it. I'm just saying mm-hmm. that that in in that particular instance, like that's remarkable, mm-hmm. like because like that that is sort of like because it's it's one thing to sort of like play like Resident Evil Two or Dead Space or you know whatever and sort of like your character your avatar in that world is sort of in compromised position is in sort of whatever and and even there and a lot of times like. The, through the progression of those games, like we talk about the, the, the idea of the power fantasy gaming as power fantasy, but then how one of the sort of the theme, like horror is really about sort of like removing a lot of that, that security there. But throughout the course of like games like resident evil two and dead space, you know, there is that sort of, you get more gear, you get better gear, you get, you mm-hmm. know, and which does a lot to sort of like stem the tide. Yeah. And I, th- I think Resident Evil 2 did a fairly good job of that. Just like even at the end where it just felt like I was like, especially towards the end of the game, like when you're doing like the, the, the underground research facility and all that. And it's mm-hmm. like, I always felt like I just never had quite enough ammo or right. whatever. Um, yeah. You still have to unload, especially on like the last few bosses. Yeah. 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 So, the, uh, I mean, th- those are some of the thoughts I had just like in as far as like the ways that the game subverts the player's mm-hmm. expectations. Yeah, well, and, and you mentioned it at the top of the, the, you know, when we started talking about this, but how like survival horror uses this element of scarcity in order to mm-hmm. make you feel uneasy. And I agree. Like, and it, yeah, the the difficulty there is that it, it like it, because it's so effective early on in the game. It's like, how do you keep that up? Because okay, so you talked about Resident Evil Two and Dead Space. I say the flip side of that is something like Resident Evil Four, where you feel that in the first few hours of the game, and then it almost by the end of the game, you're playing an action game. I mean, yeah. there's, there's almost no, uh, there, you might still have a sense of scarcity and you can only carry so much and you have a bunch of different, uh, guns. So which ammo are you actually going to take? But at the same time, you're also taking down lots more enemies. Um, it, it just, yeah, it feels m- much more geared towards action. You feel, you feel much more powerful at the yeah. end of the game where yeah. at the beginning of the game you're you're much more uh it feels i mean i used the word oppressive earlier but i i just i remember you know walking into that city for the first time and you know there's that bonfire in the middle of the city and these people start attacking you and you don't understand them and like that that whole scene is freaky when you first see the you know the chainsaw characters that, that it freaks you out but then by the end of the game you know you're like 
shooting down a helicopter and running around, you know, going through a, a minecart level and stuff like, you know, it just, it changes. Now, don't get me wrong. I really like, I think Resident Evil 4 is a fantastic game. I'm just saying it doesn't carry the horror elements throughout the entire game. It's really only the first third of the game or so. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, probably the turning point is once you cross the lake, which oh yeah, Resident that- Evil 4, the, the lake is probably among some of the best sequence. Mm-hmm. And, and and we talked about this when, when we talked about Shadow of the Colossus, like deep water bothers me. Yes. And yeah. even in like video games, like like I'm like, there's just, and that whole crossing the lake, it was just like, oh. Ugh. 100%. Yeah. Careful. Get yourself a, you know, line, line your pants because you're about to get spooped. Hardcore. <laughs> that part but, is, uh, freaks you out for sure. Um, so yeah, I think that that survival horror has an interesting way of using the gameplay to uh, connect to kind of the horror elements. But, um, be, oh, what were you going to say? Well, I was just sort of like you know, part of the problem though is that even with Resident Evil Two and Dead Space when we were playing those, like the thing is, once you understand that resource management is just like some like is the the primary sort of like threat now resident evil 2 think i think 2 also had had a bit of a dynamic system in there where yeah and so that that like if you're doing better it actually sort of like punishes you for playing too well and -hmm. if you're doing really poorly then the game sort of like eases eases back the you know sort of eases off the throttle a little bit which i think actually is the solution because yeah even talking about Resident Evil 4 and how it does turn very action gamey because like at that point in time like if you like first third or first half of the game and it's like you recognize like hey like if I'm smart about how I utilize my resources like I can actually sort of like build a, a bit of a bank for mm-hmm. me to sort of like I can bank all this ammo I can bank all these things I can bank all these resources so that I can have basically i don't have to worry about running out which actually removes a layer of threat from the game yeah and so and dead space does that too Mm -hmm. and they can't let you know that because once you know that then you're going to take advantage of it right then you then you become powerful again you you can Mm -hmm. figure out a way around that um, and maybe that's just, you know, again, it's, it comes back to kind of the nature of games in general, because even pulling away from video games, like a game is, you know, th- these rules that you play by that you're attempting to master, that you're attempting to uh, create a strategy and horror is trying to pull your legs out from under you. So you don't know what's coming up next. And yeah. so if you give too much information, then you can create a strategy and it's not as terrifying um, because you you recognize your your brain can more easily recognize oh this is a bunch of pixels and I can just you know game the system by doing this this and this and then you as a player have power over the game and it doesn't feel um, as as scary like you you don't feel like that's taken away from you anymore. Um, so I mean, and sort of like we we sort of alluded to it earlier, but amnesia. Like part of the game, the gameplay loop is just like, get away, get away, get away. Mm-hmm. And even the alien isolation, but, and I haven't played mm-hmm. alien isolation 
Um, but it's it's Me a either. very s- similar sort of premise where it's just like, you know, if the the alien finds you, you're gonna die. Like, and right. that's, yeah. And so that there's that that constant threat, which that might be a good one to fire up at some point in time. But mm. I, I I digress. But 2021. It maybe for me, like I, I think like sometimes and, and again, not having played a ton of those games, but when I did play Amnesia, like it was like it was scary. It was like it was mm-hmm. very disturbing, very creepy. But mechanically, I just I there wasn't enough of a hook. There was no reason for me to keep going. There was yeah. no like whereas within like Resident Evil 2 like you you find a gun or you find some ammo or you find like there's always sort of a hook that's sort of like pulling you through the story mm-hmm. and again sort of specifically amnesia and I was like I don't really want to play this all it's doing is it's freaking me out it's like it's yeah. scaring me and there's no sort of like moment where I sort of feel like I think it sort of actually suffered from the the opposite problem of like Resident Evil Four, where there was there was like no reward at all at any point in time. It was yeah. just like we are just going to like scare the crap out of you until and 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 even sort of talking about that, it's a lot of it is like jump scare st- stuff, mm-hmm. which I think can be leveraged in a way that, that is is pretty masterful. But after a while, like even that stuff, like the effectiveness of that wears off, right? And it's just like, and 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 you know, to be frank, that's sort of like it's like low hanging fruit as far as like actually scary. It's not to say that those things aren't scary, and those mm-hmm. things don't startle me, but that it is like, for the most part, it does it just does feel like very sort of like well okay, like you're going to have something jump out of a corner, like, you know, or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Of course this is going to startle anyone. And so um, it's actually, I, I I would think that um, the anticipation of something like that happening is actually more scary using the term correctly than the actual jump scare itself. Cause the jump scare is more just startling. The way I see jumps, jump scares are the comic sands of horror. Like there is a time and a place for them <laughs> where they can be used effectively. I'm not saying don't ever use them. I know some people do say don't ever use comic sands. I'm not one of them. I think there there's a time and a place. Um, a little side note, we were at a, a baby shower this weekend and uh, the kids in one room were watching like basically just like nursery rhymes. And the words at the bottom of the screen where they lit up when they were singing was in Comic Sans. And I turned to Samantha and I said, this is a perfectly acceptable use of Comic Sans. And almost everyone in the room laughed. I wasn't even talking. I was just talking to Sam, but they thought it was hilarious. I'm not making fun of it. I'm saying like there's time and a place to use it. And I think there's a whole room of people there who were like, we get that reference. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, But but I think in similar fashion, like I don't mind a single jump scare or two in a movie but when that's what your movie is relying on to be scary i think that just shows the quality of the movie that you're making um and to similar effect in video games as well like the anticipation that closed door that creaks open you know or the or is blowing in the wind or so you know that that window oh man even walking down the halls uh, of the mansion at the beginning of, of Resident Evil 2, or at least yeah. within the first couple hours, uh, when the sun's out and not knowing if zombies are going to bust in. Like that anticipation itself is freaky. 
Um, so whether or not they even bust in, it, it almost relieves the tension because you think that it's going to happen. Anyways, that's my that's my two thought two cents, my diatribe on uh, jump scares in general. Um, but oh, what were you talking about that I was going to jump in? Oh, so Amnesia. Um, it's it's funny because we've had very similar experiences with the game. Um, Amnesia, the, one of the reasons I bring it up is because, uh, I mean, not the least of which is because you brought it up first. Uh, but I think for both of us, it, basically, like, if you type into Google, like, what some of the best horror games are, Amnesia pops up. It's, like, towards the it top of the list. It shows up on the list, yeah. It, pretty much everywhere. And, so, and that's why I... I think I got it in a humble bundle once. I, I can't remember how I actually got it. Um, but when I sat down to play it a number of years, I mean, a long time ago, um, because I do generally like horror, I like getting scared sometimes. Um, and that's a whole other conversation. But generally, I, I think it's sort of like eating spicy food. Like I want to build not, I want to build up endurance. I'll put it that way. Yeah. So I want to get scared so that I can, you know, not be a wuss, if that makes sense. So that, I want so to that spicy you food. can consume scarier things. Exactly. And not be exactly. as scared by them. And when I'm actually like faced with difficult circumstances in life, like I'm not just going to totally roll over. Um, like, no, I can face, I can, you know, not, not the video games in real life, you know, whatever. But I think there's, there's an element there. It's, it's somewhat building endurance and it's just fun sometimes to do it in, like you said, in one of your, I think it was a bite-sized in a very low stakes environment, uh, playing a video game. Yeah. So regardless, uh, uh, amnesia. So it's one of the highly rated, uh, horror games in general. And, and I had a very similar experience where I, I do think the the atmosphere was was very creepy. The sounds were really creepy. I didn't know what was going on. It seemed like it was getting. Um, the, I'm trying to think of another word besides creepy, but it was getting scarier as you went on, because you know the when you finally were getting some of the story. Uh, anyways, I was I you know I put a couple hours into it at least, but I just found the puzzle solving to be so boring. Like I didn't want to explore the world necessarily. Um, and then when you did kind of come in contact with the, you know, the, the big bad that you couldn't see that was kind of chasing after you, um, it was, it was freaky, but I remember one scene where I would, I, you know, it was like in a sewer or something like that. And I'm running away from it and you can only hear it behind you, which it was genuinely freaky because I'm playing in headphones. Um, as you should with a horror game like that. Um, I think it even tells you to, to play it in headphones when you first boot up the game. Uh, but uh, basically, I messed up. It caught up with me. Oh, my heart stopped. I died. And it reset to the beginning of that part. So you're in the sewer. Okay, so you do it again. Oh, you can hear the footsteps behind you. Oh, no, you know, run and hide. Oh, hiding didn't work. It got me. Okay, it wasn't as freaky that time. I, I went through that same... I went through the motions maybe like five or six times and you know, three, four times in, I'm just like, this is just frustrating. Like, I don't know. I can't get away from this thing. I don't know where I'm supposed to go. And it was no longer scary. Um, so again, I think that's, that's kind of that fine line of just like, well, now the immersion is completely broken. I'm no longer scared by this. I'm just annoyed because I can't figure out what to do and how much of that being able to figure out what to do plays into feeling like you're powerful again is such a difficult uh, tension that you find within most horror games. 
Um, but for me playing the little bit of amnesia that I did, it just was not doing it for me. And so I, I never went back to it. Um, I'm not against going back to it, but it's going to take a lot. <laughs> well, there's, it's just I like, it it, I don't know. And, and at this point in time, like you have to just wonder, like, has the game aged right all that well? There is a version of it available on PS4. I think that in the, uh, what's the the sequel? Something of pigs. A uh, machine for pigs. That's machine what it is. for pigs. It sounds yeah. even creepier. Yeah. But yeah, um, you, you know, and I think, I guess, I, I guess I'm sort of like hitting like hitting the part of my thoughts where like things that we probably ought to be thinking about and a little more aware of. Mm-hmm. Is um, like you know we just got done talking about Bloodborne and then the lore of Bloodborne, and the th- there's sort of like a a goriness in that mm-hmm. game that um, I don't know it it's it's off putting it's a little disturbing yeah. it's kind of like unsettling but I think too like the thing is like that disturbing like the disturbing nature of that that gore and that just like the horror there actually is in service to the game. Whereas it does feel like sometimes the unsettling nature of these things is actually just, it's meant there for sort of titillation or yes, maybe even like anti-titillation or it's just, it's meant to sort Revolution. of provoke. Yeah, yeah. But it's not actually like in service to the game or the world of that game or anything. It's just yes. sort of meant to, you know, a great example is like, and and I can't think of any games, but I think of like the Saw movies. Yeah. Um, and it's like I I used to just call those torture porn because mm-hmm. the 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 entire premise of the movie was just to be gross, and it was really interesting practical effects and special effects and everything else. But at the the end of the day, is like it was just there to gross people out and like. And and I think in a way that that can be very unhealthy. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah. It's 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 the movie form of shock rock, right? Yeah. You know, you you say things just to get people to to you know revile at, at what you're doing. Yeah, it's funny. Were you looking at my notes because that was that was like one of the last little bullet points that I had was um, the fact that sometimes uh, what is put forth is scary is really just uh gory and uh and torture and uh i i think it's exploitative yeah is what it is that's that's actually a really good word for it and i have looked at your notes in the past but i actually wasn't paying attention to them this time <laughs> i'm sorry just great minds no. and all that Hey, there you go. I like I like that one. Is like, but yeah, that's that's one of the pitfalls. Um, and similar to something, you know, like I, I don't look very fondly on jump scares. Um, this is like the very lowest rung of that in my mind. Um, it, and and I think, you, oh man, you put it so well. Is that it, if it's in service to some of the themes of the game, right? If that revulsion is actually there to show you how terrible something is rather than just um just to shove it in your face and and you can i feel like i don't i don't want to get too nuanced on this you can tell when that happens right when when there's a, a horror game that's just there you know to chop people up and 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 shove it in your face well, kind of a thing 
I think a, a great example of sort of like, and it's not necessarily a horror game, although it does have some strong horror ties, but like you look at Mortal Kombat and the fatalities yeah. in there. Yeah. And it's just like these, like, and, and sort of like the, when it's showing like, you know, the rib cages exploding or whatever. And like people mm-hmm. like punching through somebody's chest and like, you know, shooting their heart out their back and stuff like the 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 sole purpose there is just like it is the sort of like we're going to turn up the violence we're going to turn up the gore we're going to turn up all this sort of like in in an attempt to sort of and and again it's it's a type of like titillation it's a type mm-hmm. it's meant to sort of uh you know it's not the same as you know porn per se but it is a very sim- like it is a very similar idea behind it yeah, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to think of some games that might um be approaching that or you know really just kind of uh having that sort of like slasher movie aesthetic. Did you ever hear of that game Manhunt? Yes. That one I I feel like th- from what I've heard I've never actually played the game. Uh that one got pretty close to that. That's a rock that, study that game kind of Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. Wow, is it really? I'm oh, pretty man. sure. Oh, there was another one. Outlast? And I can't remember. Does Outlast do that? I know it does use some images uh, towards the beginning because I've seen like a a playthrough of the beginning that, yeah. So it's a Rockstar game, not a Rocksteady. Did I say Rocksteady or Rockstar? Yes. Yeah, you said Rocksteady. It's a Rockstar game. Gotcha. That's who I meant, but, Mm -hmm. you know, we've already talked about how I'm just sort of slipping into senility. (laughs) well uh anyways i do think that like you have to be wary of that um even if we can't give like tons of examples i mean you basically just have to step back if we're asking how should we then play like is there really any um redeeming qualities in something like that you know is that is that really what you want to be putting uh putting before you is that really what you want to be consuming um, because there are some really good horror games. I yeah. mean, you know, we we play a spooky game every October, and then we play Bloodborne. Um, you know, just throughout the year uh, instead of at, on in October. So, so we've already played through a handful of really good uh, horror games that we'd recommend or halfway recommend in some cases. But you know, you brought up Dead Space earlier. That is definitely a really good entry. And well, if if we're if you don't have any other um, kind of discussions into what horror games look like or, you know, kind of some of the, those hallmarks. Let's talk about, do, do we have some sort of recommendations for the, for the genre? What do we think are some of the pinnacles of the genre mm. in general? Well, I mean, we, we've mentioned, I'm moving around a little bit. We've mentioned <laughs> a, a few of them. Eternal Darkness, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. it's, it, unless you have a GameCube, or well, I you could I guess if you have the disc, you could um, emulate it or whatever. But uh, mm-hmm. y- you know, uh, I think that is it's in a lot of ways it is sort of like it's probably up there for me. Uh, you know, yeah. Dead Space, Resident mm-hmm. Evil Two, definitely. Those uh, those are some of the ones I'm like Resident Evil Four. It's like I said, you know, like you were saying earlier, how just the back half of the game turns very much into like an action game, and right. so that does make it a little uh, difficult to play. Uh, mm-hmm. 
those those are some of the ones that sort of pop out at me. I would yeah, even I, sort of say like Bloodborne as much as like mm-hmm. is sort of a horror game. Yeah. It, it's funny because as I looked at some of the lists of like, what are most people's, you know, favorite, what are the best horror games? It's like, I haven't played a lot of these, which is funny because I, I do enjoy horror in general. Um, but I think, you know, part of that has to do with, uh, you know, when I find the time to do it. Cause sometimes I play games casually. <laughs> I'm doing yeah. other things. I can't focus a hundred percent on the game and horror doesn't work if you're not focused on it. You know, it's not like, uh, it's, it's, it's very different than a JRPG grind. By running it in the background, you're actually sort of like taking away its, its power. Like mm-hmm. it, the, the, the horror, a horror game actually only is really effective when you are paying attention to it, when you are invested and focused in on it. Yeah. So I, I yeah. put up a list here. Uh, so some of the stuff that sticks out to me as like stuff that I want to check out at some point in time is alien isolation i've heard really yep. good things about that uh resident evil 7 uh, mm-hmm. uh the until dawn game uh is supposed to be okay. pretty scary i think though that that might be one of those ones where it does tend to be sort of like jump scary and at that point in okay. time might be okay. a bit of a tap out uh yeah that one i've had spoiled so i don't think i'll ever play that one honestly okay uh i'm seeing soma here Mm -hmm. um you know what i thought is sort of well i mentioned it before but parasite eve the parasite eve games sort of feel a bit of a horror vibe but i would also sort of throw in uh limbo and inside Um, okay yeah and i i they tend to be like the not nearly as like high stakes Mm -hmm. as maybe some other stuff but they they are very good uh, and they are very creepy, like very unsettling. Right. Uh, yeah, so. for sure. I've only played Limbo, but I, I agree. It was definitely very creepy. Yeah, the way that it used its imagery. I mean, the whole thing is silhouetted also, so I just it doesn't take too much. I remember towards the very beginning of that game, and I'm moving around a lot, so I, you know, I apologize. But <laughs> I remember the very beginning of that game and how there's that, that scene with like the spider thing. And if you don't do the puzzle right. right, the spider things like just spears out and like kills the kid. Yep. And it's like, uh, yeah, it's like, and it, there's not even like gore or anything on the screen, but I remember how like jarring that was. Yeah. Yeah. How it didn't seem to hold anything back, even though it wasn't gory. Yeah. For sure. Uh, there's one more that I would recommend. And again, this is a mm-hmm. bit of an older game and it's kind of hard to play well i think you can play it on pc i think they got the but i'm talking about the alan wake games um okay okay like yeah they're they're top notch but again like they they are a bit older so Mm -hmm. nice nice i have not played either of those i i i know i own at least the first one i might own American Nightmare as well. But I haven't played either of them. So I guess it doesn't really matter. <laughs> the fact is, I, th- I don't I, know. I think that at least the first one is definitely worth a playthrough. Um, yeah. It's, it's very good. Very good. I've heard, I've heard good things. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I think, those, I think those are some good recommendations. As I'm looking through, like I'm not really finding much else 
um, outside of that that I would recommend just because I haven't played him as well. Um, you know, you, you'd mentioned Outlast uh, earlier. I, again, I haven't played it, so I can't recommend it, but I know those are very well-known games. Uh, but but then if we're talking about well-known games, uh, I mentioned it before the episode, Five Nights at Freddy's are huge. Yeah. But yeah. I'm not, those are like jump scare the video game. Jump scare um, so the video game. I don't have a very high view of those games. Um, they, I know they got popular off of the fact that like streamers play them all the time and they get freaked out by them. And that's fun. I get it. So I'm not, you know, I'm not one of those people who say that they never should have been made. It's just totally not for me. Um, so, and, and then the other ones that, you know, that we, we talked about silent Hill two earlier. Um, I've played silent Hill one and two, um, but those are just hard to recommend because they are older and and the the gameplay is not great on either of the games. And uh, the first one has a really weird story. I mean, they're both super weird. The first one is not as uh, the second one's much better. I will say, in yeah. terms of the story department. Yeah, um, no, no, I, Silent Hill too. And, and again, I really. Uh, I I would love to see somebody get the license for that and give it just that franchise in general uh, a really solid reboot. Um, yeah, because I I feel like one of the things that that is lacking in in the the horror genre is really some some of the 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 more psychological sort of bends, mm-hmm. and I I feel like the Silent Hill series really was able to. Uh, do justice to that sort of genre or that type of yeah. of horror. Whereas yeah, like Resident Evil or Dead Space, like there are some psychologically scary moments or hard moments, mm-hmm. but the entirety of Silent Hill 2 is is really the 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 thing that is so incredibly disturbing about that game is the 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 basically the psychology behind it. That just yeah. sort of the, the way that that game just uh sort of cracks people open is is very effective right yeah it deals with some really well this is redundant some really real things you know it is yeah. some it, it deals with abuse like what horror game can actually t- address that in a way that is meaningful like that sounds on paper that doesn't sound like a good idea at all um and the story-wise, that game does it very well, I would say, in an interactive medium. Like, man, oh man, you have to, yeah. So, in in a sense, like, there are some very masterful things in a very not fun to play video game. <laughs> yeah, but um, but I agree, a, a really good remake of that, or or even just taking those elements, and and if you don't want to remake it, then make a new story out of it would be. Uh, horrifying <laughs> in all <Yeah>. the best ways <laughs> yeah I, I mean i definitely think it would require a bit more of a sort of uh a master's touch like the, yeah. you, you couldn't just hand that project off to anybody but right i would right. like to exactly. see a, a well done silent hill reboot you know re reinvent the, that franchise but yeah the last, uh, the, okay, well, I want to mention two more. One series is the Fatal Frame series. I've never actually played a game in that series, so I don't know. Um, they are very interesting to me. I want to check them out, so I know that those are big kind of horror 
series, um, especially in Japan, but a handful of them still came over to America. Um, so there's interesting, but I don't know what they do. Um, the last game that I wanted to talk about is a very unassuming game. Um, I have not played it and it's because of what I've heard about the game, um, that I have not played it. Um, I, you know, I, I've talked about it on the podcast. I can be a little weeby at times. I did a whole episode on Yu-Gi-Oh before. Um, but this game, it takes it over the edge. It's called Doki Doki Literature Club. Yep. And um, I I haven't played it, but it starts off as a, as like basically just like a dating sim. And then it, from what I've heard, it gradually um, delves into some really dark stuff and really messes with you as a player um, and plays on your, your, your emotions uh, and, and does some weird things. So, um, that I have to game, at least mention it, but I haven't I, actually played it. I remember reading about it when it was mm-hmm. it, like, the, cause it, it sort of like popped up in a lot of circles like a year or two ago. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when did that come out? Cause I just, I was actually just, I saw like a little, uh, 2017. So a few years ago, hmm. it started making, you know, you know, making waves in, in gaming. And I, so I, I remember doing some reading about it, but it, it was like, it's a PC game and it's sort of like, you know, that visual right. novel dating sim sort of thing. And then it, 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 as it progresses, it gets like more and more off the rails and it does actually a lot of the, the breaking the fourth wall stuff, like similar to what eternal darkness did, because yeah. I think there's actually a part where like you have to go into the game, the files. game files and delete stuff mm-hmm. in order to progress or whatever. And I was like, it's things like that, that I'm just like, what the, like, <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's yeah. some like next level master stroke stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and even there, it's like, that's, it's tied to PC because of that, but. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, now, now that we're talking about it more, maybe I'll look into it a little bit more. Because, because part of the thing is like, you know, you don't want to give away anything when you talk about something like that. And so, uh, I don't know that much about it. Okay, how long to beat it? Has it at four hours? Um, but it's also, I mean, it's such a, it's such a lame concept. And I totally get that they they turn it on its head. It's just like, do I really want to download a, a dating sim and play a dating sim for an hour? before it starts freaking me out you know what i mean like see now that's really scary i don't know (laughs) right yes that's the most horrible thing about the game um is the fact that it's a dating sim so uh but can the question is can you date your teacher hmm uh okay and that's probably the most horrifying thing i've said all night (laughs) and and that's and that's our cue that's exactly that's what we need to just uh like yep, We're, that like Josh Josh uh, killed it with the the terror um, that is <laughs> oh, you, oh you, I, just for that five. alone Persona Five ought to make this list <laughs> right exactly oh um, totally. that and Mara uh, oh but, but yeah but anyways yeah I'm it's burned into my unfortunately uh, anyways um so if we didn't mention something that you wanted to talk about when we talk about horror games uh we'd love to hear from you you can reach us on twitter our handle is at bb downcast you can email us at the brack the backlog breakdown at gmail.com uh, the, we also have the backlog breakdown backlog breakdown hey oh hey oh we're starting a, a bake sale 
we also have the hashtag backlog book club on Facebook and we have a discord server. Let us know if you want in, um, you can let us know through those ways, or you can reach out personally to us on all kinds of different social medias like PSN, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, a GG. Um, I generally go by Broccolope. That's spelled B-R-O-C-C-O-L-O-P-E. And Nate goes by. What's my name again? Uh, What's my name Who again? am I? <laughs> what am I doing here? Uh, no, I go by Nate underscore McKeever. There you go. Um, if you like what you've heard on this episode, um, we would encourage you to share it with your friends. We'd love uh, to have more people in on the conversation. Um, if you want to support us, you can rate us five stars on your uh, you know, podcast aggregator of choice. Uh, you know, reviews are great too. We, you know, we just love to hear from you. We do also have a Patreon as well. So think of that as a digital tip jar. If you want to drop a buck in there, um, patreon.com slash the backlog breakdown. And finally, you've heard it on the commercial in the middle of the episode, but we are part of the play well network. Um, and so you should check out all the different podcasts that we have on the playwellnetwork.com. All right, we've we've got a bunch of friends who have some really cool podcasts that are going on as well. And we think you'll like them if you like what we do too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so, yeah. Yeah, and we're we're actually uh we're we're trying to coordinate a bit of a a a pwncast. Hey oh. But you'll you'll hear more about that and and all the horror that is involved in that. Uh, uh, it'll it'll be Paul making bad jokes. That that'll be the scariest. Yeah, Paul oh, will Paul? be the I don't know. Paul will be Paul. the DM. That's going to be the yes. scariest part, right there. Ooh, uh, oh man, dropping hints yeah. all over the place. Um, the, yeah. the I know we didn't talk about it, and I don't want to have a whole conversation. Um, but I I I would be remiss if I didn't mention, since we're talking about horror games, that the final kind of version of horror game that you know, we just didn't even talk about were, um, games that use horror themes. So games like Castlevania that uses mm. like, you know, old horror elements to play into the game, hmm. but those aren't scary games. So we, we you know, we kind of kept it. This episode was about horror as a genre games. As a that storytelling tool. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There, there are certain games that use, the tropes of 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 different horror media like books and uh-huh. movies um to do their own thing but whose gameplay is not scary at all it, it's more it's more in grotesque so i i think of even like well the first castlevania was very much a fun game it was not trying to to be scary at all but even like ghosts and goblins did the same thing yeah. Where it takes these ideas and it uh, it just turns it into a fun arcadey experience, um, and hopefully this has been a fun arcadey experience for you as well as you've listened to us ramble for the past hour. Yeah, I, I hope, I hope. But yeah, you know that's that's the thing is uh, you know good good terror, good horror is always punctuated by little bits of hope. Little rays of, mm. of like the the the, the faintest hints of victory, and hey. if you've made it this far, here's here's a little ray of victory, little little beam of hope. Uh, you're almost to the end. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> there you go. <laughs> so we've and we've we we've sort of done what we came here to do, Josh. We mm-hmm. dissected uh, horror games. We we sort of you know. I, well, I don't know what what that was. Picking it apart. Oh, picking, picking it, it apart. apart. I like that. Yeah, we we picked apart the genre a little bit. We we sort of shared some of our personal experiences. Uh, again, we did the things that we came here to do. Uh, what should they do? Hey, you guys keep beating down your backlogs. We'll keep breaking down the benefits. That's truth. And the the final word goes to none other than. Uh, at Broccolope in the Discord, I also realized that Dark Souls is the Shin Megami Tensei of action RPGs. <laughs>